Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, November 25th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker. Hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving, and it is now time to go full focus on the game. Not that we weren't already fully focused on it, right, Jonah? Let's uh, go. I can't, I've been talking about it. I can't wait for November 26th all year. Uh, it's finally the day before the game. Uh, let's just get down to brass tacks right away. Uh Who's going to win this game? What's your final score prediction? I feel very confident going into this game, Dave. I have all week. Um, just watching Michigan every week, I just felt like this offense leaves a lot to be desired, and I feel like this Ohio State team have been uh, eyeballing this game for over a year since last year. I mean, straight to the point, I got Ohio State 34, Michigan 21. I think this Ohio State team will come out motivated. They're going to prove to everyone that the physical toughness that everyone has questioned all year is out the window. Uh, when you look at this Michigan team, I think they're going to have a, a hobble Blake Corum. It's going to be an offense that's going to be stagnant. I don't think they have enough firepower to keep up with Ohio State. If I'm Ryan Day, put that foot on the throat early. Get out, make them play from behind, make Michigan uncomfortable, and let's see what they can do. Put the game on JJ's shoulders. And I have all the faith in Jim Knowles that he will have this defense ready. When when you guys in the media was talking to him this week, he was asked about the run game. Uh, he said they'll have something up their sleeve. And on top of that, they will also have some counters when Michigan tries to adjust. So this is why you bring in a guy like Jim Knowles. You're giving him $2 million a year for this game right here. Let's go. Exactly right. All right, my score prediction is – Ohio State 38, Michigan 23. I'm tempted to say Ohio State's really going to take it to them, but um, I don't know. It's it's the game. I'll, I'll give Michigan uh, respect and say it's it's going to be. And I've been saying all along, I feel like it's, it's going to be a lot like the 2006 game where Ohio State has control of this game, but it's not a blowout. But I don't know, man. I mean, part of me feels like Buckeyes, I mean, they're going to be angry. They're going to be hungry, and they've been waiting for this. Um, something tells me maybe Ohio State will just take it to them. Just give me a win, though. Just win, baby. All right. You touched on this a little bit. Blake Corum, we're just making educated guesses here. Um, but, you know, what do you expect out of him tomorrow? I have no doubt he's going to play, but how effective is he going to be? What What do you think? I don't think he's going to be effective, Dave. Um, listening to the Michigan Insiders um, today, actually, and they were giving a status report. Basically, what they say, he's going to give it a go. However, he has not practiced all week as far as, uh, full tilt. Basically what he's doing out there right now, he is out there on the field, but it's more of a walkthrough type of scenario for him. They're trying to preserve him. He's not healthy. And so just listening to those guys this morning when I went to the gym, they were saying that, hey, even if he plays, he's going to be hobbled. Um, and so the question that they were posing amongst each other is, what can this Michigan offense do to adjust to Blake Corum? and Donovan Edwards being banged up, not 100%, how would they be able to muster enough offense to keep up with Ohio State? That's been kind of the question that they were talking about uh, and just kind of pick, picking apart what they did 
against Illinois that, you know, really slowed down the offense or more or less what Illinois was able to do? And can they uh, come up with a counter just in case Ohio State pulls out a similar game plan that Illinois did? One thing that I thought was fascinating where Illinois was very successful against Michigan was one, they crowded the box in the middle. They had their big guys in the middle, you know, pretty much uh, sitting right in the gap and right boom at the snap of the football, they ran their safeties down to the outside flanking so that that took away the counter action and the bounce outside action made JJ run sideline to sideline. So Illinois was very good at slowing Michigan down. One thing that Illinois trusted their corners they put them on an island, covered zero, and they made J.J. Had, have to beat him with their arm, and he struggled with that. He was completing like 30% uh, of his throws 10 yards down the field, something along those lines. So the question was asked, if Ohio State is able to come up with a similar game plan, how, what will Illinois or what will Michigan be able to do to counter that? One of the options was RPO. Ohio State had issues with Maryland running a lot of RPO schemes. Uh, they were able to get some chunk plays. So can they throw that into the playbook? But at the end of the day, you know, you see a lot of these Michigan fans on the boards, a lot of these Michigan fans on Twitter or whatnot saying maybe they're holding something back. You just can't flip a switch in a game like this magnitude. What you saw last year against Michigan was an offense that was building and building and building. They were getting better. Once they got into the game, they were clicking all, on all cylinders. This year, I feel like this offense is so heavily reliant on Blake Corn making guys miss, getting those extra hitting yards. He would be stopped for three yards, but with his strength, his agility, he's able to get you into uh, a six-yard game, make it a second and four, make it a third and four more reasonable to where you can uh, control the clock. So if he's not healthy, Dave, I'm curious to see where that offense is going to come from because I believe Illinois put a blueprint out there on how to slow down this Michigan offense. Very well said. I've watched Michigan a lot this year, and they're just – they're so one-dimensional, as you said. They're so reliant on quorum, and then their passing game's all dink and dunk. Um, they've shown very little ability to throw the ball down the field. Now, this past game, J.J. did have one good ball that he threw downfield, and Andrew Anthony dropped it um, against uh, Illinois in double coverage. But overall, I mean – yeah, I mean, he can throw the ball deep, but, like, he's just very inconsistent, extremely inconsistent, as you said. I mean, his um, overall uh, completion percentage has been about right around 50% the last four games, and anything down the field at 10 yards or more, he really struggles with. So uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how Jim Knowles attacks this. Uh, I'm sure he's going to yeah. mix things up. Do you think we're going to see, like, a mixture of – I have no doubt we're going to see the, his base. He's not going to not have his base four two five, but I think we're going to see some three linebackers out there at times. We might, yeah. even see it. we might even see the bear front at times. I just can't wait to see what Knowles is cooking up in his lab, Jay Book. Yeah, I, I'm very curious to see what he's going to do here. And uh, the 425 base, that's something that I have been interested to see how they're going to be able to stop the run here. But I think the safety uh, will be key. I think Ronnie Hickman is going to be uh, very key here because he's going to be able to play towards the line of scrimmage here. And if you watch the Illinois game, they were sending those safeties. Um, and they because they didn't respect Michigan's passing attack, so those safeties' heels were pretty much 10 yards from the line of scrimmage. And at that point, once they knew it was a run, because Michigan's gonna come, come out in heavy package, heavy personnel, they come out two tight ends, three tight end sets. They had no respect for their wide receivers on the outside, so they were basically shooting the gaps, sending the safeties to the outside, and just completely bottling up that Michigan run game. 
So I think Jim knows going to have an attack. I think he the thing with him is he's going to try to bait uh, JJ into throwing one up. I can see a situation to where Michigan starts to panic. If Ohio State jumps out on them, mm-hmm. they now have to get out of their comfort zone, which is, hey, let's let's let JJ try to cook here. But that is a terrible place to try to let JJ cook, considering that you've hunts, hamstrung this kid all season long. He won't let him throw the ball down the field. So let's see what they can do. Um, one of the posters here, posters here said Jack Sawyer. I think Jack is playing some outstanding football, Dave. Um, he's he's hot right now. Let's see what he can do. No doubt about it. Somebody's saying Knowles will run some barrier. I, yeah, he's going to mix every, He's going to mix things up. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Let's look at our own house here. How concerned are you about the running back position for Ohio State? Or are you not concerned because of Dallin Hayden? And I have no doubt, just I, I have no doubt Blake Corum's going to play, but he's not going to be very effective. At least that's my opinion. Like, it was your opinion. I think Mayan Williams is going to play. I don't know how effective he'll be. I'm not, I'm not ready to say Mayan's not going to be effective because if anybody can play through this sprained ankle that he has and tough it out, it's him. But at least the Buckeyes have Dallin Hayden. And they've got, in my opinion, the Heisman front runner. The Bolitnikov front runner and Michigan secondary. It's not terrible, but I think Ohio State can carve them up. Uh, your thoughts on Ohio State's offense, uh, the running back situation, everything about the OSU offense going against this very good Michigan defense? Yeah, I don't think Michigan second secondary have seen a passing attack like this. I know they haven't. Right. Uh, they haven't seen a wide receiver core like this. I know a lot of people um, have wanted to see more from Julian Fleming and Mecca, but just uh, the presence of Marvin and Cade Stover, I think is definitely going to cause them some problems here. When it comes to the rushing attack, I mean, if you can get a 80% uh, Mayan Williams, then, hey, let him get his touches. But I've said it last week, Dallin Hayden is hot. Mm. He is on fire right now. Why pivot away from a kid who's healthy? He's seeing it. He's hitting his holes. And once he put that foot in the ground, Dave, he is shot out of a cannon. And you, you saw the difference from him and Henderson when it came to setting up those zone blocks. I know a lot of people say, hey, we should be more of a gap scheme. But now if you start to throw in the tape and you see Dallin running in it, you're like, well, maybe it wasn't actually, actually the offensive line. Maybe it was actually the running backs not hitting it when it was actually there. So when I look at Dallin Hayden, I'm looking at a guy who is playing outstanding football. Why not ride him right now? I would love to see a one-two punch with him and Williams, see what they can do together. I don't think Henderson's going to play. I don't think he's healthy right now. Even if he is healthy, maybe get him in on a couple passing downs. But I will put him at running back three right now. I just think that the game is moving a little too fast for him, and he's not seeing it clearly. Obviously, the foot is is bothering him or the, to- the turf toe, uh, his injury. So if you can get Williams back in, it sounds like he will be ready to go if you listen to Ryan Day in his press conference and his media availability said, hey, it's good to get a lot of those guys back, including Chip, back in there. But the X factor for me, Dave, is Xavier Johnson. Can we can, – can Yeah, <laughs> the X-Men. I mean, I, I like uh, where they're at with special teams. I think this combination of him and Emeka back there returning kicks, I think they found their nice combination because – Field position is going to be huge in this game, Dave. And you saw Xavier returning those punts and getting Ohio State set up in great field. I'm sorry, Xavier returning the kickoffs, getting Ohio State in great field position against Maryland. If he can do that against Michigan, 
I think I think that that's really going to benefit the offense because now you can really open up that playbook. You get that ball at the 40-yard line, you get that ball at the 35-yard line. Now you can take your shots. If you're if you're having a successful running game, and it doesn't mean we need 12, 15-yard plays, but if the running attack is kicking keeping the offense on schedule, it will allow the playbook to be completely opened up. Speaking of that, that's a great segue. Um, you read my mind. <laughs> it just um, your, your gut feeling here, obviously both teams have been saving s- certain amount of stuff. I get the feeling Ohio State's been saving a lot, particularly on offense, and I'm sure they've saved stuff on, on defense as well. But, man, I just feel like Ryan Day has just been setting them up just with certain tendencies that they know that they're putting on film as tendencies. They're not stupid. Sometimes it seems like they're just banging their head against the wall. <laughs> right. I think he's been setting Michigan up. Am I wrong? I mean, I, I definitely think he's been holding a little something back here. The one thing that I will be shocked if we don't see Dave is the mess routes and the crossing routes because Michigan will play some man on the back end. Um, they Even though they haven't been tested, they are not afraid. They're going to try to man up Ohio State wide receivers and challenge them. They did it last year. I mean, CJ threw for almost 400 yards last year, even though everybody wants to say, hey, Ohio State can't play in the snow. He threw for 400 yards. With it being a beautiful day in Columbus tomorrow, I just see a situation to where the wide receivers are going to be able to do what they need to do to get open. And I think scheming them open on mesh routes and cross routes will be open all day. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if you see some uh, running backs flaring out of the backfield, some screen games there. That's why I say if Henderson is going to play, I think he could be really effective in the screen game and some throws out of the backfield to the running back. But, yeah, I, I truly believe Ryan Day has something up his sleeve here. I hope he does. Um, but I, I'm calling it right now, Dave. I'm looking at 500-yard offense type of explosion coming coming up right now. Um, 30 plus points. I got Ohio State covering the spread. I just think that uh, Michigan, with their offense, they do not have the horses. If the Ohio State defense can get off the field, keep Michigan from those seven, eight minute long drives and hold them to field goals because Michigan's not very good in the red zone. Um, They're one of the worst teams in college football when it comes to getting seven once they get in the red zone. Hold them to field goals and limit those uh, long possession. I think they will not be able to run with Ohio State. This is a fun question here because it's both topical because of the game tomorrow. And Jonah and I uh, debated about the uh, college football playoff expanding on the last Friday show. This is from Keith on YouTube, Dave and Jonah. How do you feel about this? If the Big Ten does away with divisions and the playoff goes to 12 teams, the game could happen three times in one season. Thoughts? Man, that's tough, Dave. I mean, the three games throws me off. Like, there's one part of me that's saying, hey, are you going to be the only conference in all of college football that still has divisions here? Uh, you know, there's one part of me that says, yes, you know, playing Michigan back-to-back will kind of suck because, you know, the, it may take a little bit of luster. But when it comes to the seeding here, I know they sent out the uh, hypothetical 12-team bracket, and it had Ohio State with, in a much – more favorable bracket, where it, whereas it has Michigan going on the road, um, potentially at USC. Then if they win that one, having to play Georgia <laughs> in Atlanta just to get to the national championship. So that's why I say, yes, it's important to win the game for those seeding purposes alone, because you look up, you look how banged up Ohio State is. They sure as heck could use a bye right after the Big Ten championship. 
So if you mean to tell me that Ohio State has to turn around after the Big Ten championship, have another uh, sledgehammer game in the playoff the week following that, that's a lot just to get to the national championship. So that's why I say it's very important, you know, to win that Big Ten championship and get to the game. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Dave, it's going to happen to everybody. You can see a situation to where, you know, the, the top SEC teams are playing, you know, twice a year. It's going to happen if a lot of these teams are doing away with divisions. A couple more questions to get to here. All right, this comes from Basil on Facebook. If we beat that team up north, do you guys think CJ will be a lock to win the Heisman, or will Caleb Williams end up winning it if USC wins out? I think I'm on record. If Stroud plays well tomorrow and the Buckeyes win, lock it in, in my opinion. What do you think, yep. Jay? I, I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people in Vegas have uh, – they have the USC kid, Caleb Williams, as a slight favorite right now. But with all eyes on uh, college football on this game, Dave, if CJ goes out there and plays his butt off, he will absolutely be the Heisman favorite. Now, don't get me wrong. Caleb Williams has plenty of opportunity to make a case because he is playing against – um, a ranked Notre Dame team coming up. They're hot. If he goes out there, throws for another 400 yards and torches Notre Dame and then turns around and has another 400-yard game in the in the Pac-12 championship, which is uh, easily can be done considering the defenses he's going to go against, that will make a strong case. But right now, with all eyes on college football, if C.J. goes out there, leads Ohio State to a victory, on top of that, has a heck of a game, it's his Heisman to lose i definitely agree with that um let me ask you about this i it's almost surreal that this is going to be the first time in four years the game is here yeah. in columbus i mean i'm not breaking news here the, the atmosphere is going to be insane tomorrow remember how it was in 2018 yeah i think it's going to be like that but ratcheted up somehow and 2018 is as intense as i've ever seen it i mean obviously 2006 was like that there's been many other ohio state game, michigan games where it's been like that in the horseshoe but 2018 might be as intense as it's ever been and i expect it to be crazier i can't wait <laughs> i think that's a huge advantage for the buckeyes hey give every fan two shots of bourbon as they enter the games <laughs> bourbon is, as, as our friend ramsey likes to say to 11 warriors hey let's let's go but all joking aside i think this is going to be an electric atmosphere day the crowd knows that they're going to the team is going to need them. I want it to be so deafening in there that when Michigan's there, they're going to have to uh, change to a silent count because they can't hear the the signals from JJ. It needs to be deafening in there. And I just think that the atmosphere here with so much at stake, the hatred here, Ohio State fans absolutely do not want to see Michigan win this game in the shoe and, and for Jim Harbaugh to have back-to-back -back wins. So I just think that Ohio State fans are extremely intelligent. They know what's at stake here. They know that the team is going to need them. So go out there. Be loud. If you're walking out of there without a voice, then you did your job. You did your job. You did your job. For all the people that are sit down in front type of fans, get on your feet or get out of here. This right here is big-time college football. You need to have the camera shaking. When Fox had those games zoomed in, have the camera shaking, and you're up on your feet the entire game. I love it, man. I cannot wait. I cannot, it, it's tomorrow. I can't wait. I've been waiting for this all year. A couple more questions. We'll get you out of here. Ed on YouTube. 
Who's our third and fourth best receivers in order? I've got an opinion. You go, Jay Book. Who's the third and fourth best receivers on this team? Assuming Jackson Smith and Jigba is out, which he is. Yeah. Uh, Julian third, and I would probably say Cade Silver fourth right now. Um, if you're talking about uh, pure wide receivers, uh, you're probably looking at Xavier Johnson as your fourth wide receiver. But I just think that this year Cade has been so involved in the passing attack. I think he would be your most likely third or fourth option uh, to, to receive uh, actual game targets. I agree with you. I have nothing to add there. In fact, I was just thinking receivers. I, I, I like what you said about Cade. I might even put Cade above Julian right now. No, I go Julian three. Um, I, I agree with you, Cade. And then Xavier Johnson. Um, then Jaden Ballard would be the next one. Um, but Xavier, people are wondering what's up with Jaden Ballard. I think we just got to have give respect to Xavier Johnson. He's just really good. Yeah. Fifth year senior. Jaden Ballard's time will come. He's a redshirt freshman. He's fine. Um, okay. And I already touched on this. this is Tom on YouTube. Has anyone heard whether or not JSN will be in or not? Ohio State's not going to say anything, but he's not going to play. I don't even think he's going to play if Ohio State makes it to the playoffs. I hope I'm wrong, but that's just my opinion. So don't right. look for JSN tomorrow. There's just no way in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, we, we talked about that last week, Dave. Like, there's no way he's going to be able to just flip on the switch and go and play in this game. Like, if he was going to actually play, there there would have been some type of ramp-up period to get those legs underneath of him and to at least test out that hamstring to see if it's ready to go. You just don't, hey, say I've been out for 10 weeks throwing the helmet and pads and let's go. You need to be able to build yourself up. And I think, if anything, if he was going to play, you would have heard reports that he was stepping back on the field last week to start getting those legs ready to go. Philip on Facebook. Do you guys think that LJ will shorten up the D-line rotation? I hope so. What do you think, JB? <laughs> I hope so, but I don't think so. I think he's going to do what he's done all year. Um, I do think that your top guys will get the lion's share. I do think that Jack Sawyer's playing um, some of his best football right now, so I do believe you're going to see him more on the field. I think a lot of people are questioning the def defensive tackle rotation. Uh, some of those guys leave a lot to be desired. Some of them, if left on the field, can be impact type of players. But with me, give me my my true DNs. I, I want Zach Harrison and JT playing as many snaps as possible until they give me the tap of the helmet and say, hey, give me a blow. Other than that, you boys are on your on the field. Pin your ears, ears back. Let's go. we got a Big Ten championship to go win. All right, let's get out of here. I think that's a very fair question from Sue. Um, she wants to know, well, how do we know that JSN hasn't been ramping up? Well, just from – kind of reading the tea leaves and from certain things that we've seen here too, Sue. Like I heard not only did he go see Dr. James Andrews, as we know, um, early on, then he went a couple weeks ago, he was in California. Um, when we've seen him coming off the practice field, he hasn't been in pads. There's been times he hasn't, we haven't even seen him coming off the practice field. So he wasn't even there. Um, so you're right. We don't know for sure. Maybe he has been secretly ramping up, but I, I agree with what Jonah's saying. I, I think from everything we're hearing and seeing, I, I don't think he's been ramping up. And even if he has, I mean, how effective would he be? And I think also people close to him are telling him, just sit out, is my guess. What do you, what do you think, Jonah? Uh, I believe so. I mean, at the same time, you know, how, how effective will he be? If he, if he were to go, is he a, just a decoy? Does he take away some of the chemistry that you have between CJ and Marvin? Uh, right now, I just think that, you know, don't, don't get your hopes up. Uh, just have faith in the guys that you have. I truly believe that you're looking at another 300-yard passing game from CJ against this Michigan defense. So go with the guys that you have right now and expect 
that they're going to go out there and perform at a high level. Great stuff as always from Jonah Booker. Thank you very much, Jay Book. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving yesterday. I hope everyone has a great day tomorrow. I know everyone will. The Buckeyes take care of business. Thanks again to Jay Book. Thanks again to all of you. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Go Bucks. (laughs) 